What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Brown Meets World. When it's Brown Meets World. Your Boy Meets World fan cast. This is episode 86. I am Siege. And I am your friend, Tony Coitus, co-host of said podcast. Uh, Tony Fee, what's special about today? Today, I'm so excited because we have new friends joining the podcast. We have reached out to the fabulous host of The Feeny Call, and they have decided to join us. Um, Megan, Skyler, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself, but um, I just want to say we're so grateful to have you on and excited to have this conversation with you. So excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Here virtually, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> not here. Uh, so you guys have been running a podcast called The Feeny Call, which also dissects every Boy Meets World episode. So we're in, we're in shared company here. What inspired you guys to start a, a Boy Meets World podcast? Sure. Uh, um, Megan, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Um, Skylar, well, Skylar kind of started it, and then I inserted myself into the process. So I'll let him start, and then I can... Well, I was, uh, I guess this was in like the winter of 2019 so you know like 20 years ago uh in in corona times um i was working in an office job that i kind of hated and was like looking to make some sort of creative product and had like fiddled around with the idea uh, of different boy meets world things out there because it it, uh much like your guys's experience everything i learned in my life was from the show for better or worse. Um, and, and so then Megan and I knew each other already. And um, I don't even really remember how it came up to with you that you were equally passionate about this show. I feel like we were at a bar talking about bands or some shit and then like arrived at this idea or I, I don't remember exactly how we got there. But then, you know, it became clear that like Megan was equally passionate about this material. And I was like, okay, cool. Now that I have somebody else to do this with, like, let's actually <laughs> do the thing. Uh, and and then Megan yeah. since then has has become integral to making it happen he actually started a blog that was like boy meets world related. oh that's right i did write like two like blog posts mm-hmm. i thought that would be the outlet at first and since we're friends on facebook he uh posted it i saw it i got super excited about it i was like wait someone else loves boy meets world as much as me that's insane so i uh messaged him privately and was just like have you ever thought about like making this a podcast. And he was like, actually, that was the original plan, but I don't have any of the recording equipment. And I was like, I have the recording equipment in case you're interested. And I was like, I just want to be involved. And he was like, actually, I'd rather have like a co-host. Like I'd rather have the additional, you know, voice. So Having an equally passionate co-host is so important first of all it gives you like a different uh view there are plenty of things that i see very strongly that t was like are you kidding me and he just (laughs) whips you with something completely opposite and i Mm -hmm. still think he's wrong but it's (laughs) Um, and then also it's like on those moments where it's like you're not as hype or like you the episode just didn't hit you but it did him or even there have been plenty of times where we will just trash an episode together and i think that that's that's some of our favorite episodes is when we're we have a shit episode that yep. neither of us like and we're just bitching about it the whole mm-hmm. time my favorites it's a bonding sure. experience hating yeah. something together yeah <laughs> definitely i think it's funny too because if you listen uh for anybody who's, who's walking upon us now if you listen to our first few episodes Meg and i have talked very 
frequently about how our first few podcast episodes are not representative of <laughs> the podcast as it is now. Takes time. Anyone who <laughs> messages me and they're like, I just started listening. I'm like, we get better, I promise you. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. The sound <laughs> problems like improve. Yeah, we had a whole different kind of idea of like how it was going to go. Like there's a third person involved in like the first two episodes where we were like, like a moderator almost because we were anticipating like more of a debate and less of discussion. And then I was like, this, this is not working. You guys had the third seat kit. You had the third seat kit. We we did. Yeah, we did. Uh, and eventually they got, you know, killed off permanently. So, listen, art imitates life, you guys. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So anybody who was looking to jump in on the Feeney call, pick something uh, like a little ways in and start there. Our episode four is actually one of our most listened to episodes. Um, cause it, I think it's cause it's the first one that you see Tanga for the first time. So oh, okay. I would say start at four. Cause that was the first episode where we were like, maybe we should just not have a third person. <laughs> just like the producers. I so, love it. True. <laughs> Towards the end of season one, no more season, no more third T kid. No more no. Third He's death. Yeah. Uh, it's really funny because I'm learning just when we look on the back end, um, as with most shows that have like a podcast like this, a lot of people just jump in with their favorite episodes or like we'll get really spikes on like sand favorites and then that'll mm-hmm. draw people in and they can go yeah. explore everything else. So that's that's where we're at with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it has brought us to season four, yes. um, which I have been on record as saying is the best season of Boy World. I'm open to debate this, but I'm, I feel very strongly about this. Season four has been so great for us to watch. I know you guys are on season three right now. Mm-hmm. Going into this episode from season three, what were some of the first things that stood out to you, I guess? Like, I know when you're jumping seasons, you're, it's almost like watching different shows sometimes. So I, I wanted to know if there was anything that kind of caught you off guard. Like, wow, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not ready to see tall Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I was, we actually just finished an episode where Eric goes out with an older woman in season three. And so this episode was very similar to that. And I was like, oh, he's, he's still in high school. He shouldn't. And then I was like, wait, he's been at home for a year. Like he's more, he's a little more settled. He's not, he's probably still like 19, but I was like, it's at least it's a little like less weird and uncomfortable than the last episode but i was like skylar may have an issue with it no, no no this one does not give me as much of an issue as the the relationship we just talked about on our show that's the one where amy's 30 year old friend dates a high school eric matthews right yes. yeah yes <laughs> i took big issues so. we had a very long conversation about that also like the moment this one started i was like Eric and the older women. He just like, he has a thing. I wonder if that first interaction with Amy's friend shaped his like taste. I don't know. Like, or is his bond with Feeney something that makes him seek out older individuals? Like, like Feeney is the person that Eric connects to the most who's not family. And I was like, is there something about older individuals that Eric is drawn to because of what Feeney provides. I don't know. That was just a theory, but <laughs> yeah, this is very interesting. I got. I'm going to get into this. Can we do the tell me about it so we can jump in? All right. Let's do our tell me about it. Tell us about it. Tell us all about the show. Eric tries to be a dad, and Corey's car runs out of gas. There you go. I liked it. I was like, how long were we going to go? But it was succinct and it got to the point. I love it. Okay. This is season four, episode 18, Uncle Daddy. When Eric learns that his new girlfriend, Kelly, has a son, he's confident he's mature enough to handle the responsibility, but too scared to tell his parents about it. 
In a B storyline, Corey has some problems with Alan's parenting style. There we go. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's pretty much it. Succinct. And I will say, usually, like, our B storylines don't really make sense or don't really have anything to do with it. But I do like how they kind of brought it back um, and, and blended the two. But I, of course, have problems with several points that are being made <laughs> throughout. But we will let our, our guests go first. You guys, give us your first thoughts about... Uh, this episode and what do you thought um first impressions on this episode i think this episode is is a it's a great eric episode um and and megan is passionate about eric episodes as i'm sure she'll jump into um i think it is also one of the things we we talk about a lot on our podcast is like how they plant the writers plant these seeds of what I see as aspirations for our main characters, i.e. there's all these little seeds of Corey filmmaking. Um, and this is like a seed among many of Eric and his like relationship to youth and what could be a very fulfilling life in like social services or childhood education and things like that. And then because they went ahead and made a sequel series, we know that not only does he never have a child of his own, he also moves into small town politics or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and so what I think is like, this is just a really interesting episode where it crafts a lot of Eric's character and makes a shit ton of sense within his character. And and then they conti- like ignored it for whatever they wanted to ignore. Because <laughs> uh, we're going to revisit this again, where where Eric is going to show himself and his abilities to connect and enhance a young person's life uh when we meet tommy later and it doesn't feel like we ever like follow that through line enough it's always enough for the episode but not enough for like his life um but that being said i do think this is a strong episode in terms of growth for for eric uh because i've i've always drawn issue with like stay at home uh what a townie eric as like he kind of refers to himself and everything (laughs) Uh, and people around him, I'm always less interested in that version of him before he like figures out what the hell he's doing next. And I feel like this is the turning point for him when he does. Of course, I love this episode because it's a strong Eric episode. Um, I love, yeah, kind of what Skylar was saying. I Halfway through, there was a moment where um, they go to the Matthews house and he's like, okay, now everybody shut up. We're going to go to laser tag. And I was like, this is the in the event that he were a little older, a little more mature and responsible, this would be the perfect relationship for Eric because he loves kids and he relates to kids and he's basically a grown up kid himself. So I think it's a, it is a great episode that shows how Eric relates to children and the youth. And I, again, yeah, I, I'm kind of echoing Skylar at this point, but I really wish they had gone into that more. I wish that he had started a family um, in Girl Meets World or gone into uh, some sort of like, not even childcare necessarily, but I think he would have been like a great, he could have like opened his own like, or been like a foster parent. I think he would have been great at any of those things. And I wish they had followed through on some of that, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> see, I agree with literally everything you're saying. I, I'm interested, Siege, you know, what did, what were your thoughts on this? All right, so first of all, um, just on first glance, I thought this was the episode with Tommy. So like I went into it thinking that I was getting a Tommy relationship and I was like, that doesn't look like the kid, but whatever. <laughs> um, but then when I watched it, I was like, oh, we're doing something completely different here. 
And I liked a lot of what I was seeing and a lot of points that they were making. I liked the fact that Eric really stepped up and he handled things in a very mature way. But at the same time, they showed how this was almost, we talked about it a lot, but it was almost play. It was almost like role fulfillment for for Eric. And I liked that they had those little hints. The things that I didn't like about it was they kind of, to me, made Kelly feel like a victim of her circumstance. Like, even though she has autonomy and she, quote unquote, gives Eric an out, like, just the way that they frame her and they frame her life and her decisions, they just make it seem like this trap or this black hole that Eric was in danger of getting sucked into, and that really, really bothered me. And then, of course, there are things I can say about Corey, but that is for the (laughs) B-plot conversation. Uh, T, where are you at? Okay, so I'm so glad, first of all, Skylar brought up the planting of the seeds. And I always mention Corey in filmmaking. We just had an episode about this. They constantly plant seeds that never grow into anything with his future, much like Eric with being a weatherman, much like Eric with his relationship with children, much like Eric as a secret service CIA guy. (laughs) They mention it in this episode of like, he wants to grow up to be in the secret service. There's another episode where him and Jack are dating girls in college. And one of the girls like, I want to be in the CIA secret service. And Eric forms a bond with her. It's so weird how they have these plants that just never grow into anything. Um, But for this episode specifically, I actually think, and I'm going to take Megan's side for this, I think this relationship would have been good for Eric. I think that Eric would have grown and matured. Like, he basically is like, like, see, you just got a puppy for the first time. Like, the first time you're like, oh, hey, I can't go out. I got to take care of my responsibility. Like, yeah, of course, you're going to have that first time where, like, you know, you mess up. Eric messed up in this episode. And there was an opportunity for him to grow. And I actually think Kelly at the end was not breaking up with him. I think she was like, hey, if you, I, I need to make sure you're ready for this. And she even says, like, you know, you, you know where we live. You can always come back. We never hear from them again. So I think she was kind of right in calling Eric out because he really didn't step up at a time where I felt like he could have and maybe should have. That that scene feels so weird to me because it just kind of seemed like it almost feels out of place. Like it's it's so weird because like everything's set up to get us there. But at the exact same time, whether it's the actress's delivery or just how they set up the scene, you also feel like it's kind of like a jump. You haven't really seen them have any problems. And she also seems to be like in denial that Eric's a good guy. And it's almost like she's rejecting anyone being there for her. And that's not to say that all of this isn't true to life, but it's just saying that when you look at the story, you look how Eric responded and how to heart he took even losing Tommy for like a second. Like there's no search. There's no like Ryan. Like to the Ryan. Point. Oh Ryan. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's still Ryan. on that Tommy train. He's like, this is a Tommy episode. <laughs> I will make it one. Yeah, yeah. But uh Ryan, even for a second, he takes that responsibility so seriously. And I thought to kind of be like, hey, this is your time to get out felt really weird but also I felt like she brought him in very weird I was like was this episode written by someone who happened to date uh, a woman with children because there's no way a woman on the third date would be like let's go back to my plate in place insinuating that there will be sex and instead hey there's a kid here I wrote that question down I wanted to know what Skylar Megan thought of 
Kelly not introducing Ryan until Ryan was in the room. Like, not even bringing it up to Eric, not preparing him, like, hey, I have a kid. Is that something that you're mature enough to handle before introducing him to her? I, I, I'm very curious to get your thoughts. I, one, I think it's impossible that they've been on three dates and she's never mentioned it. Uh, two, <laughs> because, like, she has a six-year-old son. That's her whole life, okay? <laughs> uh, it's impossible that she was talking about other things. Um, two, I think it's rude as hell also <laughs> to drop these weird innuendos in conversation uh which are clearly played for laughs for the audience and uh and then like surprised here's a child N- none of it makes the a lick of sense it, it can't be real <laughs> in, in any way um and it's entirely a screenwriter fabrication um and i also think it places Eric in a, like a wildly unfair position of choice in that moment. One he handles well, but it does not absolve him of pressure in the choice. Skylar, I can see now that you are my reflection in <laughs> Megan is TC's because you organize everything, all your thoughts the exact same way that I do. And you're like, number one, this is what's wrong. Number two, death to the author. And I'm already here for it, but keep going. <laughs> Megan, go ahead. Uh, that was like my first note. Um, I was like, this, this cannot be their third date and they're already being introduced to this kid, uh, or he's already being introduced to this kid. It was a, an, a completely unfair position that, uh, he was put in, especially in the event that he, you know, like it would be different if they had been talking about it and she had been like, do you want to come back? you want to meet my kid but the fact that she just like goes home and takes him and then she's like surprise like that not only kind of messes with Eric but I'm sure that messes with Ryan too like that's what what is Ryan supposed to think about all of this that his mom is is this is this a normal occurrence that she brings guys home on the third date like of course they're not spending the night but still he's he's now in this environment where his mom is just bringing home a lot of different unstable well, maybe not even unstable, but a lot of men that are not in like committed relationships with her. And that just feels unfair. I would say almost more unfair to Ryan than it is to Eric. A hundred percent. Megan, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> it is so weird that Ryan meets Eric this way. I, every single mother I know is so careful about introducing men to their children that for this to just be like a surprise thing that she put no thought into really doesn't speak very highly of her character. I don't know. Siege. Okay, so you knew I was waiting because I was like literally on bated breath. Number one, I just want to say that you start off a sentence with, if you're going to have a relationship with me, you're going to have to have a relationship with someone else and then open a door and there's a grown ass woman there and you still hesitate to get to the point. I was like, this is mind games. It's not really cool. But- as much as I'm mad with the character, I also am more upset with the writer because I'm like, only a man would write a story this way and be like, she's she's holding out from telling him. And it's just like, no, no one. My friends didn't, didn't meet my boyfriend until I was secure enough to be like, okay, this is how we're going to introduce you. And even then, it's like kind of a big deal. I've been seeing someone. I want you to know about him. I don't just bring people into my friend group. I don't just bring people into my life. I would definitely not just bring anyone into my kid's life. And that's why I'm like upset at the writers because I'm like only a man would think to write a story this way because I can't think of a single mom who would 
introduce someone she just met really to her kid and then also be like he's shy around strangers and but you can play with him very friendly you can have dates with him without me being there it's just a lot going on I would say that's kind of part number two is the fact that she lets Eric go out alone with Ryan and they've maybe at that point they've been on four or five dates something like that and they go out alone that's her child I just the whole thing I don't believe it for a second that's that's not real that doesn't happen (laughs) I also felt that Eric was pulled into child hood activities when it was convenient for the story like when it's time to go see steven seagal and jim carrey and what are you doing in my movie he's like no guys i got responsibilities but at during the end during the pool game something he could have easily roped ryan into hey it's me topanga and ryan versus Corey and sean mm-hmm. very easy yes um he's like dude i've been hanging out with you all day give me a break and it just felt odd it felt so odd that he stepped up to responsibility but maybe that's the point maybe that's the whole thing is that he wasn't completely ready i i don't know but it did feel a little uneven yeah that scene also um just now that now you mentioned it i i I hate the before the pool game because so I, I work in childcare. I nanny a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, and <laughs> I don't know. They, they wrote Ryan like a really stupid kid. I don't know. Everything he says in that scene, I just bugged me from a screenwriter's perspective. And I was like, Oh, you know, these people don't know what a six-year-old sounds like. Yeah. No, I think that what's what we're all talking about and we um, kind of went into this, but I'll kind of, bring us out a little bit and talk about these other characters who in our roll call um and in our roll call we are going to bring up Brittany Powell who plays Kelly and Justin Cooper who plays Ryan um we've talked about them quite a, a bit already but what did you guys think about the performances from these two uh Ryan would go on to actually be in the next Jim Carrey movie Liar Liar uh which I happened to just watch Uh, last week and that is an interesting movie to examine um, nowadays but all things considered uh, how did you just think these guys um, performed and then also what do you think about their characters overall as far as Kelly goes as kind of we were saying I think the actress her performance was very it was very hit or miss for me. I had moments where I was like, I really, I believed that. I believe that you said that. And then there are other moments where I was like, why is she doing that with her face? I don't understand what's going on. Um, Cause I think she was just, she was really trying to amp up kind of like the, yeah, you're right. Like the victim card. Like she's like, I just, I don't know. I've never been in this situation before. And it was almost like playing coy, but in, in a weird like roundabout, like take pity on me and stay with me kind of way, which was, which is weird then because she gave him the out. It was just inconsistent, but there were moments when I was like, yeah, I actually, I mean, I believe what you're doing. So I would say character wise, uh, obviously I don't think she's very responsible that she brought over this guy to meet her kid after the third date. Uh, But I appreciate the fact that she, at the end is very, she kind of leaves it open-ended. So she's like, you can walk away if you want. I will not like, there is no judgment here if you walk away. I completely understand. I appreciate the fact that you came into our lives, but if you need to see yourself out, totally understandable. Um, and she does leave it open for like, he's able to come back. As far as Ryan goes, I think he does, he does a pretty good job. I think all things considered for being like a, probably six or seven years old at the time, 
he does a pretty good job. The only moment where I was like, this feels kind of awkward is when he goes over the ping, the ping pong, the, um, the, oh my God, pinball. (laughs) I knew it was a something with a P. Uh, so he goes over and starts playing and looks over at them and like waves. And I was like, what? They're like right there. You know, what's even weirder about that scene is when Sean says, can I go play with the baby? And you can see in the background of the shot for the remainder of the scene, Sean's just hovering behind. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just kind of hovering. Like, he doesn't say hi. Like, he's just hovering behind him <laughs> as if he thought they were off camera now. <laughs> he's just observing. And his reaction to Ryan was very weird. Like, yes. just constantly calling him the baby. And, like, it, it was... It's weird, but I think so many things about this episode were like, you're almost like perfect, but also kind of off. Mm. And because I can't put my finger on exactly why it's wrong, it's hard to communicate. (laughs) What I think was challenging about Kelly's like victimhood or otherwise presentation, because I do think that everything in her performance was leading itself that way, is they never make it clear where Ryan's dad is or is not. Um, yes, I had a huge a problem in their life with that. Yeah, it's never made clear whether he he left, he died, whatever it may be. My, uh, based on Kelly's interactions with Eric, it seems to be that she generally has a history of shitty men leaving her behind. Which, like, that's the implication is that like dad's a deadbeat who walked out or something. Uh, and Kelly says something of, at the at the end, like he's just trying to make up for what he lost as if to say that he lost his dad. She says something about never having a full-time dad as well. Yeah. She was like, he's just mad because he doesn't have a full-time dad. It was weird. The language made it sound like maybe he died. Maybe he walked away and he comes back every now and again. I was, it was so unclear, but what felt clear was that they felt slighted by him. There are moments where like Tommy, Ryan, God, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right. There are moments where Ryan um, is at the table with them at Chubby's and he's like, oh, you're already tired of me. You don't want to stay and play. And uh, that's when Eric's like, you know, I've been with you all day. I'm going to walk away for like five seconds. And that's when Ryan decides to like just run away because he's not getting his full attention. And I was like, I think we are in fact, learning or leaning into some heavier issues here with Ryan. And as always with this show, I think its biggest fault is for the 30 minutes that it had, it was also 30 minutes in the 90s. So you get so much filler when it's like, we could trim all of this out and just focus on the nuanced relationships that Eric was building and and what that dynamic is. Totally. Because if nothing else... Eric had chemistry with Kelly. Like, as actors, they had chemistry. When they were first together at Chubby's at the booth and they were just kind of making out, I was like, first of all, we haven't seen Eric date in some time. I know that you guys are just coming off of season three. Eric has not been dating. The last time he went on the date, it was at the beginning of the season with a townie. And he kind of like understood that being a townie wasn't so bad. I don't know what the point of that whole date was. But it's been a while since we've seen Eric date. And they just had real chemistry. I was like, I really wish she would have stuck around for maybe a few episodes and we could see Eric the boyfriend because we've never seen Eric the boyfriend. We never get to see Eric the boyfriend. It's always him with like a different girl that he's obsessed with or just pining after Rachel endlessly with there being no payoff. Um, But just to see him with a girl just being like, hey, I want to know everything about you. I'm actually invested in this relationship was really nice. Um, 
And so it sucks that it, it kind of fizzled away so quickly, as he said. Like, there's only so much you can do in a 30-minute episode of the 90s when they have to make room for all this B-plot of Corey running out of gas. Um, but they're like him and Ryan had such a... Uh, Ryan, did I say... Is it Ryan? That's it's Ryan. Ryan. It is Ryan. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Eric and Ryan, I thought they had great chemistry. Like, when they're playing uh, with the jacket and the sweater thing, I was just like, dude, Eric, this is your lane. Like, you're great with kids. And I think... Yeah, Skylar was kind of mentioning earlier about how they've been kind of building this relationship with him and kids, but there's no real payoff to it. Um, but I, as actors, whatever the problems with the story be, um, I did feel like Tom, uh, Tommy, Ryan and Kelly um, had sincere chemistry with Eric, and I would have liked to see that for a few more episodes. You know, like you were saying earlier, uh, you were talking about... Um, Eric's character and being into kids and wanting to be a spy. And, and you know what character they do really well with that? All of those, the same kind of elements is uh, Andy from Parks and Rec. Uh, he has like a lot of the same goals. He has like this childlike um, personality. And what they do is because it's written like in the golden age of television and we are allowed to get more in depth, they have his character get all of those payoffs. He ends up having a um, children's show where he pretends to be a spy and he has all these karate classes. So all the things that you know and love about him and his love for kids and his like childlike behavior and um, his special interests, they get to come together. And I think what we're all agreeing on is that they, they provided us with so many great elements with Eric and then they just dropped most of them to make him a goofball. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I was actually thinking while you were saying that there's an episode, the first episode where we kind of get a little bit of that with Andy in Parks and Rec is where he goes to play guitar at the concert for those kids and he has to rewrite all of his lyrics. And I feel like that episode can kind of parallel this episode in that that's a seed. Andy to go on and do you know Johnny the Johnny Karate show and now we're getting a seed for Eric and we get another one with Tommy and it's just like nothing comes of it because I would have loved to have seen Ryan and Kelly be in like even like a two-parter but to continue on you're right and I didn't even think about this before this is probably the most like boyfriend we get to see Eric ever because he doesn't date anyone else he gets seriously. two episodes with Desiree back in season <laughs> two, so. Which is a toxic relationship. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think we're going to count the that. Worst. We don't count that. <laughs> She's the worst. No, you're right. Um, I, I think this could have easily been made into a multi-episode arc, but they were just coming off of a two-episode arc and, and needed to get back to it. Um, I have a theory. So you mentioned Sean's behavior in this episode. And I think it's kind of incongruous with Sean's behavior surrounding this episode uh, in, in uh, other episodes before and after this one and that everything Sean does in this episode is more characteristically goofball of like Eric season five, six, seven. What I think is interesting is because Eric has to play serious this whole episode, it feels like they dumped all of that energy into everything Sean said because Eric gets to do nothing for laughs. So we need to pour that on somewhere. We got to have that comedy bit or else it's not us. I I actually felt like Sean was supposed to like, like when he was like, I want to play with the baby. I want to play with the baby. It was like playing house. Like, I feel like, and that's, 
Like we're supposed to interpret that Eric has more Sean in him in this episode than we realize as far as just wanting to play versus wanting to actually step up. I, that's what I thought Sean's role was in this. Um, but I mean, obviously you guys have made great points too. Well, I think that's, that's funny. Cause if you look at it that way, maybe Sean sees it for what it is, which is just like, this is a play date. This isn't real, you know, like, yeah. uh, and that's one way of interpreting it because think about it, who would be more aware of people coming in and out of your life um, than Sean. Sean is so yeah. aware of this and the dynamics. So for him, he's like, this isn't real. This isn't lasting. You guys aren't serious. Um, so let's have fun while we can. And I think that that is one way of looking at it. I also want to bring up, because this will lead us into the conversation about Corey, Sean, and Topanga, um, the fact that Eric never passed his SATs. And this idea that, again, I was like, bothered by because on one hand it paints it's a really positive thing but on the other hand it paints this dichotomy of like only two choices of this idea of because Eric didn't pass his SATs he was trying to jump into adulthood with like this family and all this other stuff and when he got rejected from that they were like okay now you have to go to school that's the only way for you to really mature is by going back and pursuing higher education, which especially since what we know now about uh, student debt and all this other stuff, um, I just don't know if it's the the best advice or if it muddles the lesson they were trying to teach. I'm really ranted about this on our show before, how this, this, uh, this show often presents higher education as the only viable post-high school choice and that every other one is, in, is the wrong one, basically. Um, and I've lamented several times about how that was basically the life I faced too. Like nobody, nobody told me like, okay, you know what, if you did something else (laughs) besides go to college, that's a, you know, you could do something with that too. Um, and I think millennials were taught that. (laughs) I think that was generational. We often have that conversation with everyone I meet who's our age about this idea of being forced really forced and brainwashed to go to college and then getting to college and everyone being like, and our job's done. And you're like, well, what do I do now? You've kind of left me to blow in the wind. And they're like, what are you talking about? I set you up for college. Well, it's funny. The first time I realized that I was working, this was several years ago, my, I just finished freshman year of college and I was working at a summer camp in New York. Uh, and like 50% of the staff was international from the UK and from uh, Australia. And so many of them were on what their, their gap year which is like, you know, the super normal encouraged thing, right? Where, oh, great, you finished high school, like take a year, explore the world, figure it out. And then like, if you want to go back and go to uni after that, or you want to go and pursue a technical career or something, whatever else, like at least now you've had a year of like discovery and it's so encouraged. I was like, oh, fuck, that sounds cool. Here I am one year finished with college. (laughs) um, And so, yeah, this, this episode for sure sets up this idea that like, Eric, you can, be a parent or you can go to college and parenthood rejected you. So go to college. Uh, I just had a question because we haven't watched the previous episodes. He says, I got a good job. I got a, a good girl. And what is he, what, what's his job right now? Do they have the, out, no, the they store own the shop no? now. Yeah. They, they own the, own the, the camping store. store. Okay. Yes. I didn't know if we had gotten there yet. I couldn't remember when that happens. And so he says he's got a job and I was like, do they own the store now? Is that what he's doing? They used his college money to pay for the store, so he's part owner. So he is getting some coin from that. As you were saying, there's something almost dismissive about the fact that he has a job. I mean, like, 
well, like he has a good paying job, <laughs> a, like really respectable part business owner. Like, yeah, exactly. he's a business. He technically is a small business owner. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And it does feel like, I mean, from at least from season four, like when we started the series, and you guys will obviously get here with this episode where he goes out on a date with this townie. It, it feels like this episode is kind of the completion of that story of Eric realizing that, like, I mean, at this point for us, he's tried singled out. He's tried all these other things to, like, make his life something without college. And it feels like this episode, he's like, no, I'm realizing college is the only way. Which, like you said, is just this message that was force-fed to us growing up as millennials. If I could have been told about the massage therapist who works on rugby players when I was a kid, that definitely would have made a difference. The fact that no one mentioned that in career day angers me every day. Just we'll, we'll, get, we'll get career day. Firefighter, doctor, <laughs> massage therapist for professional rugby players, lawyer. That's all I've ever wanted. Where was that guide? Where was that yeah, pencil? Why wasn't that kid's anyway. yeah. parent coming into your class? <laughs> it almost feels a little bit like as far as like Eric realizing this is the only option it feels like they show the flip side of that being Kelly and Ryan like if you don't um if you don't I don't know if you decide not to go to college or whatever like this is this is I don't want to say it but it's almost like this is what will happen to you if you decide to not hire like go to higher education like you're just going to end up in a home situation, playing house or with a kid. Waiting for a man to come and help you. Yeah, it feels, because of how she kind of portrays this like victim of circumstance, it seems like she has only landed there because she didn't go to college or she got pregnant in high school and then she had to, she had to sacrifice that and now this is where we are. It's odd that Eric doesn't see her and is inspired by her. Like, this is a chick who's, like, out in the world. She has her life together. She has an apartment for herself. Like, it's odd that Eric doesn't see this as something to inspire to. But instead, like, like you said, like, it's either college or it's this. It's college or it's suffering by myself. And one of the things that me and CJ always talk about is how we feel that the show often doesn't write women very great. I don't know if you guys feel this at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's like you're either the perfect girl you're the bitch or you're uh you know just amy which is just hanging out in the background um and it it feels weird that they didn't make this kelly a person that was like empowered i guess like like she said she's a she's a victim to her circumstances versus like no dude i have a kid and i still figured all this shit out which would have been so much better again i always think about like the times and We just, we in general as a culture weren't really paying attention to women's stories that way. I mean, Sex and the City didn't even come out until a few Mm -hmm. years after this. But it's crazy to me that you would have someone who has the responsibility of a child and paint them as not incapable, but kind of just, it's, it's almost like a struggle that she has to go through. And it's like you, as I was saying earlier, you don't want to, you, this is your out. And that's not to say that parenthood is easy and it's not a struggle and it isn't something that you need to be prepared for. But I just think the way that it was painted, it puts her more in a sympathetic role instead of someone who's very confident and very much like, I have my act together. We've been doing fine. You're welcome to join or you're welcome to leave. We will be good with you. We will be good without you. Make your choice. And that to me would be 
the real takeaway from a situation like this, especially where everyone seems to be pulling their weight. I think they tried to do that unsuccessfully, but in the scene when she and uh, Ryan are introduced to Alan and Amy, and she's like, oh, you didn't tell them. And she goes, this is my son. I love him very much. Like she, she lays it out on the table for Alan and Amy. Like, this is the situation. Don't pity me. I think in that scene, they, they tried to give her that moment of like, she's doing the thing and she's doing it fine. But the, the like other parts of the episode feel like it, give it, there's more weight in those other parts. I'm I'm so glad you brought up that scene. I'm really interested to know what you guys felt of the way that Amy and Alan and Morgan reacted to Eric's new relationship with this mother. I, I'm very curious to know that. On a scale, I would say Morgan actually reacted the best. Yes. Then Amy, then Alan. Alan did the worst. He... He usually the does. Event, <laughs> yes. He did, he did a poor job the second she walked in the door. And then as soon as she introduced the kid, it just got worse. He just kept, it, like, if I were Eric in that situation, I would go on the date, I would come home and I'd be like, dad, you embarrassed me. Like, I cannot believe that you said these things. And I mean, he's uh, like an old white guy, so he's gonna say stupid shit. But like, then Amy was, she, you could tell, you could see she was uncomfortable with the entire thing, but she at least was very like, okay, well, this is the situation. We're not going to have this conversation right here. We'll wait until you get home from the date and then we're going to talk about it, <laughs> which I feel like is how Amy acts in most situations. She stays cool, calm and collected. And then she's like, we are having a discussion about this later. But Morgan, of course, was very like, oh, well, I'll bring my mom too. And she was just like very cool about it. And then as soon as she realized she messed up, she was like, I'm sorry, I thought she was your mom. And he was like, that's fine. Yeah, he was like, it's fine. It happens all the time. So I feel like Morgan actually handled the situation the best. <laughs> and definitely Alan handled it the worst. I think you bring up two scenes I would like to have seen, Megan, instead of the B plot. One is after the date, Eric, Alan, and Amy. I would have liked yes. to have seen that scene. And yes. two is Eric and Ryan outside of Chubby's, but um, yeah. Yep. But like specifically, this Alan, Amy, Eric post date dynamic would have been very interesting to see. I was very, I'll say, impressed by the way that Alan and Amy handled it because I was expecting some kind of conversation about the responsibilities of being with someone with a child and all of these things, and instead they just kind of let Eric do his thing and then come back. And I was like, all things considered, this is different than the approach that they usually would take with uh, Eric in situations like this. Well, it's and different than the approach they take with Corey. Amy seems to have very firm uh, opinions when it comes to Corey and Topanga, but with Eric, doesn't seem to have such... I mean, we're coming straight off of the Long Walk to Pittsburgh episode where Amy was like actively trying to be like, you guys need to calm down. And yet in this episode, she's completely just like, yeah, whatever, whatever you guys work out. I mean, obviously Eric kind of comes to an understanding on his own, but there's no, there's, there doesn't seem to be any conversation. You're right. That after date scene is pivotal. And I would have gladly changed one of Sean's like study headache scenes for one of those <laughs> scenes. Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to push back on uh, the whole thing with Amy and last week because 
I've been talking to a lot of people online about our episode and how we dealt with it and what they think about it. And I honestly think that Amy gets a bad rap when it comes to her and Topanga. I think that, at least from what I saw, it's not that she has a problem with Topanga. She is like, Corey and Topanga have been together for the longest. It is their only relationship. They're very narrow-minded in it. And there's this codependency going on. The difference with Eric is Eric hasn't dated in a while. And even when he did date, it was like a different person every single time. So taking kind of the hands-off approach of a graduated son who has co-owner of a business and he's decided to date someone his age with a child is very different than Corey, who has only dated this one person, is like symbiotic with that one person. They spend all of their time together, and his interests are her and schoolwork. That is it. That's actually a great point. I, I'll I'll concede to that. That's that's yeah. a wonderful point. That's all I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do want to like this is I keep trying to transition to Eric talking to Corey and I was like he is actually doing something that they don't do very often which he tries to have a mature conversation with Corey and uh because Corey is himself and self-centered he (laughs) kind of misses the point initially but he's like confiding in Corey and he's afraid to talk to his parents about it even so to come to Corey and be like hey I have this situation and she has a kid and I don't know if I'm really up to it what does that mean about me what does that say about us like is pretty a big deal and what did you guys think about I guess how this happens and then how Corey behaves throughout the episode this is another like seed moment for me because we get to a place in season seven where Eric is like you are going through our memories cleaning out the garage without me you're doing this all and I feel like Eric's really trying to make a connection with Corey and it's something that doesn't happen until he takes like a gap year and then once he starts at Pembroke with Corey and and all the whole gang. But um, I think that he's really trying to make an honest connection with Corey and Corey just has either has no interest in it or he just, he's too, he can't see past the end of his nose to really make that connection. And then by the time they are adults, it's too late at that point. So I'm so glad you brought up that episode. I think about that all the time. Cause <laughs> it's literally time. like, like the third, like the episode right before they wrap up the series. And it's like, Oh, so you're waiting till this long to try to right? build a relationship between Corey and Eric. And it sucks because even in this episode, when they're like playing pool, you can see that Eric feels more of a draw to be included into Corey's world than Corey feel, ever feels to be in Eric's world. And Corey is so just thinking about himself, his girlfriend, and his friends. He hardly ever thinks about ways that he can contribute to his brother's life. And so I think that Eric trying to have this mature relationship, being like, yo, yo, you're missing the point. She has a kid. Like, I'm struggling with this. And Corey just not really... I, I not really stepping up to the plate is is disappointing because I think like Megan said like it sucks that Eric doesn't have a brother that he can typically bounce ideas off of and that's why I think Jack plays such an important role in the later seasons because finally Eric has someone 
to talk to. Jason's been gone for years at this point. And he's trash. Oh. He has- <laughs> and was he ever really there in the first place? Let's whoa, 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 guys. I think we're about to start a podcast beef because we <laughs> love Jason oh on this oh, podcast. We hate Jason. We're here for Jason. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right. So I may be blinded by the fact that Jason is cute and plays the voice of Power Life. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, of Max. Yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's always way, what I hear. We love um, Jason Marsden. We hate Thackeray Binks, yeah. <laughs> and I will get. I will concede that each and every time, as long as there is respect for Jason Marsden. Yes, we yeah. love <laughs> Jason Marsden as a talent and a voice talent, but not the character Jason. <laughs> He's better on Step by Step than he is on Boy Meets yes. World. I, I, yes, yeah. You guys have talked a lot about planting seeds, and I think that I'm going to change. I think a lot of people's gripe is the uh, inconsistencies with Boy Meets World as it goes on. But right for me, from where I sit. Uh, as someone who has watched this show, I think my biggest pet peeve now is the planting of these seeds that never go anywhere because there's so much greatness. There's so much great storylines and dynamics that are brought up that are just never brought to fruition. And I really do wish that they had spent more time on that, even when they do Girl Meets World. You're like, why? Like you had all of this set up. How did you how did you drop it? I had a hard time getting into Girl Meets World specifically because I really didn't like the futures of these characters. It didn't feel like, it felt like Eric should have been a teacher more than Corey. Like it felt odd. And so it was hard for me to grab my, you know, like, like I think uh, Skylar was talking about Eric being a politician out of nowhere. Like it, it felt odd that this was the future based on, you know, all these things. Eric should have ended up as any, if anything, a weatherman than a politician, but like we get none of that. No, I agree. When you, when, when you like rewatch this whole series, you know, if, if you sat me down in a writer's room and you're like, all right, we're going to make a sequel series with these characters. Now they're adults. What are their lives like? What are their careers like? And I'm like, okay, great. Well, like Topanga went to law school. Topanga's a lawyer. Fine. We, we, that tracks with her character. Nothing else does, right? Like if I, you know, you sit down, you're like, oh, Corey, he went into filmmaking, right? Like that's based on everything we've been shown. He had to go into filmmaking. Topanga owning a cafe makes no sense. No, to when me. she ends no. up buying that cafe and and no. no, it felt like they needed a Chubbies more than they needed Topanga to have yes. a fulfilling career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that goes on. And so like Corey becomes a teacher. Okay, I I don't think so. Uh, Sean <laughs> becomes a a travel photographer. Uh, that actually has the an ounce of credence, right? That happens yeah. once. He, he like considers that photography internship instead of college, but it's not what I would have pegged for him. Not at all, because it feels more like writer than Sean. Like when we get to the poetry <laughs> part of Sean, it feels way more like writer's personality mm-hmm. than it does Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But no, I agree. Sure. Like it, there, there were all these little clearer signs for where the characters should have gone. And that like clear, like the people writing the show, they know like, oh, Eric and his childlike enthusiasm for life and his ability to connect with children that like we we revisit that multiple times in this show and i don't understand why like especially it always bugged me when they go to college no one ever has a fucking like major or degree of study whether they're all general liberal arts degrees or or something like nobody is studying anything yes uh and i think that's a fucking shame too you know because i I don't know sorry i just started swearing i don't know if you guys curse on this podcast oh absolutely Uh, we curse all the fucking time (laughs) it's a fucking time (laughs) yeah um and and so you know nobody has their own like specialized degree of study even and i'm like i would love to know what anyone chose to major in in college 
I think the show ends when they're just in their first two years of college, right? Like they never get to the point where they have to take a major, um, which is super disappointing because you're right. Like where is the drive for what's going to happen after? The whole show is Feeney and their family preparing these kids for their life outside of school. And for for them not to have a fulfilling life outside the school makes all of this feel a little less than, which is disappointing. Well, and if Eric's whole, like Eric goes to college basically because of this episode. You know, like you, there's an immediate line from this episode to Eric going to college. So then I think like, okay, great. Eric's in college. He's bouncing around through general ed requirements and and checking the boxes on liberal arts degrees. Time to pick a major. He's reflecting. What are the biggest experiences of my life? Oh, Ryan and Tommy. Those are the two biggest moments in my life so far. I think I'm going to go into a career where I can help make disenfranchised child's lives better or something like that. And so he begins to study social services or uh or anything in that realm um but we don't we don't get anything like that i don't know you know he decides to move to new york and uh, i don't know fuck off <laughs> yeah i would have even accepted like eric stays in philadelphia takes over the family store is like not he's just the owner but maybe not the manager and then he's a foster parent is like his you know full-time job pretty much like I would have accepted something like that instead of like, Oh, I'm going to go into politics. It's like, and I get it's supposed to be like funny because he's a moron. And so it's like, how can a moron ever be a politician? But now it's like a little too real. I would say, I think that was their commentary. More than anything. <laughs> sure. That's true. I think what you guys pointed out and I really, I didn't think about it until just now, but there's this, we usually talk about how, especially in the opening credits, you only include the people who are important to Corey and Corey's life during that time. Um, so like in season one, you got the entire family and Feeney, but then in season two, it was just Sean, Corey, and Eric. And then now there's Topanga, Corey, Sean, and Eric. And I think all of that is to say that Corey is constantly thinking about things in only his, how they relate to him. And maybe that is like the simple, like the side effect of being a middle child where Corey just assumes that no one's caring, no one cares about him and everyone's like living without him, that he doesn't realize the real effort Eric is putting in to include him in a conversation like this. The real kind of like the lonely position Eric has to be in as someone who stayed and is at home living with his parents and all the only interaction he really has is with his brother's friends, you know? And so the idea of Eric getting someone and in, in, in exceeding at, at this position is um, really important and significant. And I feel like everyone can see it, but Corey, I mean, Topanga and Sean even at least interact with Eric and respect his date in a way that Corey doesn't quite register. I think for Corey, all of his social needs have constantly been met his entire life. Everything like he is, he does have some middle child syndrome, like acting out being kind of an ass, but at the same time, because he has some middle child syndrome, he's found that safety or that social interaction in his friends. And that's why he's bonded so closely to them. He doesn't need anything other than his girlfriend and his best friend. And then occasionally his parents, sometimes his big brother, but Eric's friends have gone, they've left. And he doesn't really want to hang out with his folks because he's 19 and he's trying to, you know, 
figure out himself. And then he sees his brother has his social needs already met and Corey has no interest in expanding that at all. And so, yeah, Eric's just left high and dry for pretty much the entire series. It's really disappointing because the main thing that I've taken away that you guys have kind of actually get, given me perspective of is this idea that like the episode ends with Eric going, okay, I'm not going to be a townie who dates like, like these unwed mothers. I'm going to go to college. And you guys have really brought to light this idea that like, there's no reason for Eric to really go to college. There's nothing wrong with his life as it is. Maybe he just needs to move out of the house. Yeah. But like yes. <laughs> he is, he is a small business owner. Like he is, he has a steady employment. There's no reason for him to like resort to taking the SATs for an eighth time. I, I gotta be honest. I can't imagine taking the SATs three times, <laughs> no less eight times. And I feel like to ask that of Eric is almost a little unfair to just be like, well, you kept failing at this thing that you tried your hardest at over and over again. Maybe you just need to try it one more time. Yeah. And then you'll get it. It just feels like you're dismissing, like, maybe Eric has talents that are outside of a scholastic altitude. Or even the resilience that Eric shows by doing it. I mean, like, the thing that he is kind of constantly interacting with Corey with is the idea of, I've taken the test so many times, I kind of know it through failure. And the... um, the education that I received through working at it. And that is even, that's never acknowledged. Like it's shown and in the episode, they kind of showed that he has a knack for it and therefore he should take the SATs again. But they're never like, hey, Eric, by the way, you're answering these questions correctly. Yes, you may have failed, but you had different pressures. You had different priorities. Maybe it will be different this time. It's never really said. It's just kind of like, He's is concluded. He's resigned to this. Um, after and you have and he has to go to university. He can't go to community college. He can't go and do anything else. He has to go and pass the SATs and go to a university in order to be successful, which is so frustrating. And I feel like there's a there's a small component that I don't think a lot of people think of, and I don't even think the writers meant it. But Eric shows some symptoms of like ADHD. And that's just not discussed at all. Like he's just, he, he's failed the SAT seven times. That's not like, no one does that. And I know it's supposed to be like a funny thing. He's supposed to be a dummy, but like he clearly, there's just a piece of the puzzle that's not, that's missing. And I definitely talk about this towards the end of your season. You're on season three right now. Mm -hmm. Um, When Eric doesn't spoilers for your listeners, sorry, (laughs) but when Eric, um, doesn't go to college. He doesn't get into college. Um, they have like this whole storyline about Eric kind of struggling with schoolwork and not like quite getting it. And then even there are moments where they showed like the depression that he's going through. And I've always felt like Eric was undiagnosed. And as someone who did not get his ADHD diagnosis until a few years ago, until I was way out of high school, I was like, he is telling people that he needs assistance and no one's really listening or or like looking into why Eric is the way that he is. And I feel like that's a disadvantage for him. Additionally, I feel that the kind of goofball nature that Eric's character becomes could also be a kind of like trauma 
playing out of all of these like failures and trying and not really getting anything that he has worked hard for and in a world that just kind of dismisses him for me i kind of see eric as like a tragic story um at least just in canon based on what i see because he's really intelligent very much like sean there's like an intelligence there that's just not valued and the more we go the more we see him try at things and fail and then just everything kind of moves on and the only thing he really is remembered for is that goofiness and maybe that was just something he felt resigned to wow like this kid has talents that are just being overlooked we've actually said that same thing about sean like uh, in the planting the seeds thing about how sean has been showing in like a businessman mindset he shows it over and over again and it never fulfills and eric is It's such a shame that this guy has been a core cast member from the beginning. But if I were to ask any of you to tell me like a central plot involving Eric, other than the ones with Tommy, like there's nothing that really comes to mind, at least for me. And it's a shame that like this guy who's been like third bill on this show for seven years never got a girlfriend. He never got a story that was of his own. He was always just floating in the wind and being comical. And because he was being comical, we were just like, oh, he's just a moron. He's lucky to get by on what he has. But it's so dismissive to his whole story. You're right. Like, he had the same education that Corey did. Why aren't we as invested into what he's going to become as we are to what these other kids are going to become? Also, like, think about the way that Eric learns. We talked about this earlier, but we've seen with... um what was it? Was it like the poker game that he had with Feeney where it's like he was like almost Rain like Man? Counting. Yeah. yeah. And he could yeah. like just get it immediately. And the fact that Eric just learns through action in general, like he he's not a book kid. He learns through action. He comes up with some very insightful sayings this episode. He's like, the key to successful fatherhood is a relationship um, built on friendship, communication, and trust, and occasionally a tootsie roll. And like, even though that's like played for last, I was like, no, that's honestly, that's that's very insightful for you to come up with. And then at the end, when Corey is being his little bratty self, Eric like steps up and he's like, do you think that he wants to behave this way? Do you think that he likes being this this person? This is hard for him too. And he's able to step out of himself and look at the situation differently because that's how Eric learns. But He's never rewarded for it in the show. The only thing that the show promotes is education. Um, sorry, like documented education or collegiate education. Collegiate. Formal yeah. higher education. Yes. yes. Right. I think, Tony, what you're talking about with this, the kind of the ensemble ability it's not a word the ensembleness <laughs> of the cast. What what this show, this show right here is like an example of what you know, if you if you gave the same pitch to Mike Sure, then every one of these like leads would follow through to becoming beloved, incredibly well-rounded characters, regardless of billing, right? Because like if you look at you know, you, I mean, Mike Sure is obviously an exception, uh, but like if you look at some of those great ensemble type of comedies, then you find like what the real excellent piece is that not a single character is a throwaway character you know no matter like day-to-day episode to episode things can shift and change but like every character on parks and rec has a wildly deep and fulfilling storyline every like everyone in the office has a uh a, a 
very deep and fulfilling ensemble to that. And then I don't think that's like you, I mean, it got better. So many shows got so much better at it, but I don't think it's like unique. It, it happened in the nineties. And this may be because again, I've been, I've been rewatching it lately, but like Fresh Prince had a big ensemble cast where every character got a shit ton of like development and interesting stuff that pays off in, in many ways. That's so funny you bring that up. I've been watching Fresh Prince too. And the one th- key takeaway I, I'm making is that Ashley is so, she has a full storyline. Like they don't Morgan mm-hmm. her. They don't do any of these other things that other shows do with, you know, their younger sibling cast members. Like Ashley is like a fully developed character. And when I watch Boy Meets World, I'm like, where is Morgan other than this person who pops up every now and then says a cute line and leaves. Like it's, right. it's, it's to your point, it's, it sucks kind of that Corey, Sean and Topanga are the only ones that get to have this depth because we fall in love with Eric and we fall in love with Feeny. You know, one of the pitches we always make is Feeny meets world, which is this prequel show of Feeny falling in love and seeing him. We and marry we so many that times. <laughs> That's the show I want. <laughs> I want to see Feeny married so bad because like his ex, like his ex-wife plays such a huge part in who he ultimately became, but we never see any of that. We only focus oh, yeah. on these three kids and I, uh, I don't think it's anything I noticed as a child watching the show, but it's definitely something I noticed as an adult that like Amy, Alan, Morgan, Feeney, Turner, all of them get shortchanged in the rewatch of this. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. no reason, especially considering Belling and the fact that he was part of the cast, there's no reason why Turner and Eric couldn't have sparked a friendship or, you know, like Turner, Eric, and Feeney. Like, like there's they do this dynamic where now that Eric's out of school, even Feeney's like, okay, we can spend a little bit more time together and I consider you a friend more than an ex-student. And I think that had we done that with Turner even, it's like we could have had this other adult mature conversations that we're having, kind of like the the world part of Boy Meets World um, and balanced it with Corey's entry with Boy Meets World. And I think that... I'm always forgiving of it because it was the 90s and I just don't expect as much from it from shows as we used to. But it really is a shame when you consider like what this show provided and how how we all relied on it to instruct us about life and where it falls short in those lessons. You know, uh, your your comment earlier, I want to I want I don't want to leave it forgotten Um, your suggestion that Eric's attraction to older women is informed by his relationship to Feeney. Uh, <laughs> now feels like a great time. <laughs> yeah, no, no, let's talk about it. That yes. sounds perfect. That is such an interesting hypothesis that I've literally never considered. <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> it almost feels like Eric is constantly searching for someone to show him his path. Whether it be Feeney, whether it be, uh, you know, Kelly or any of these other, he's like, I don't know which path to go on. I have a very unique set of gifts and I don't know how to use them. And you're telling me that I can go to college. This person's telling me, oh, I can have a child and a small business and I can be a townie. It just feels like he doesn't know which way he wants to go, but he is very dependent on others to show him that way. And... And, you know, in this circumstance with him, Thini being his mentor, it's 
becomes beneficial to him. But it, it, it's, it sucks that Eric needs other people to show him how to be the best version of himself. Well, I mean, we all learn through other people, so I don't really have a problem with that. I think I have a problem with kind of the way the the show jumps in certain understandings. Like, if we would have had, like, we had the scene not too long ago where Feeney expressed to Alan why he never had kids. And I think if Feeney would have had that conversation with Eric in this episode and being like, you know what? I told this to your dad not too long ago, but again, I want to repeat that children are not an easy that responsibility is not something you should take lightly um and it is something that you want to make sure that if you're going to do you have all the best tools at your hands that you can do and that's why you go back to school it's not so you can it's not because you have no other option it's because you want to pursue and you want to make yourself the best option when it comes to being a parent that you are capable of doing and I think that that's just kind of like what I want from the show. You're bringing up a great point. He has all these adult role models around and he goes to fucking Corey for advice? Get out of here. <laughs> He's probably so nervous that every single adult he goes to is going to be like, you're making a bad decision. You need to break up. You're not ready. Like he has so many, I think, uh, kind of, he kind of probably has a bad taste in his mouth when it comes to what he would consider like adults or grownups because they have all kind of, they've just shoved him to the side. They haven't really, I don't know, considered him or listened to him or taken his opinion as something that's valid. They just kind of. Well, every time he's him. made like an adult choice, he's been rebuffed by that and, mm-hmm. and faced opposition to that. And then like, wins by coming around <laughs> to that opposition you know it's not like oh, yeah. at any of these points where he's faced the opposition the other party has been proven wrong uh <laughs> and so I, I agree with you in that like every time he's like no i'm making this adult choice i tell other adults they tell me it's a bad choice and then, then i find out they're right <laughs> so let me tell my younger brother instead real fast i just wanted to know what you guys thought of Corey's b story if you felt like there was any merit to it if you felt like it was just kind of filler like what did you get out of the eric allen story here i think the only thing that i actually appreciated about the b plot was kind of the moment when Corey spoke a little bit to eric and was just like hey maybe you should consider taking the sat again like i think he really that was the one moment that i saw Corey reaching out and thinking beyond just what's going on in his life and seeing eric in a position where he's like i don't know if he should be in that position so maybe i'll i'll give him a little word of advice but other than that like the the Alan, the dynamic between Corey and Alan felt did feel a little filler e. It wasn't necessarily something that I was like, "Oh, this is great! I'm so enjoying this." I was just like, eh, it, "It is what it is." Corey, but. Corey does a thing in this episode that maybe it's just really fresh on my mind because it happened recently with my nanny kids. Um, but it's when he says he's like talking to Alan and he's like, "Hey, so." I understand why you did it. Can I have the car keys for tomorrow? And Alan's like, no, I said a week. And he's like, but I apologized. And I literally have this conversation almost daily with my six and three year old that I nanny where I'm there like, you know, we have a rough morning. We go outside, we play, we're coming in for lunch. Hey, can we watch a show while you make lunch? No, you guys haven't earned that today. But what I bought, but I apologized. <laughs> I, like, I don't, that's not the point. Like, I appreciate your apology. 
and I'm hoping to reinforce that your apologies are important, but I am not going to reinforce that your apologies mean you didn't do the thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, like the actions still happened. And I think that like, that was totally a moment where I was like, this is my problem with Corey. And also we have this mm. whole thing called white boy logic that we talk about very often, but like <laughs> yeah. the idea that Corey would say, I apologize. So what's We're done with this? With this. Like, we're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, that ex- like, that's such a mindset even nowadays where it's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. Consequences be damned. Even when there are consequences, I'll apologize. It'll all be over and mm-hmm. we can just move on. And I was like, that that idea that Corey has right now is A, great that they addressed and B, I liked that at least they had, like there weren't really repercussions like we really saw other than the doubling of the um, quote unquote grounded period. But mm-hmm. we don't really see even that play out. But going back to it, there is at least acknowledgement of, no, that's not how this works. This like, you're still a child. And again, having Eric be the one who is still a child himself, but can see that his parents are honestly have his best interest at, at heart. Um, I just thought was really important. I would be so upset as Alan and Amy in that moment when Corey says, but I apologized. I'd be like, where the fuck did I go wrong? <laughs> At what point in the last 16 years did you get the idea that that means we're good? <laughs> like, you know what? I have to stand up for Corey a little bit. Oh, you do? Because we're going to go there, but keep going. <laughs> I I do not want to excuse Corey's behavior. I don't apology immediately writes all the wrongs. However, if you run out of gas, you weren't paying attention. Period. <laughs> What's your point? I'm saying that Alan ran out of gas. He was not looking at his gaslight. Like there, the, okay. the, the wait, central wait, wait, wait. conflict so between Corey and Alan is this running out of gas thing. But I really feel like you have to not be paying attention. Let's examine this as uh, let's examine this as the adults that we are. You are a parent of three with a wife in a store and uh, backlogs and employees and all these other things that you are sharing your car with your 16-year-old son who has nothing to think about but his girlfriend and the SATs. Those are the two things on his plate. These are the things on your plate. Corey has no legs to stand on as far as I'm concerned. I want to go further on that. Alan says they made it three blocks, three suburban blocks, which is very, very little, which means that Corey almost like methodically pulled that fucking car into the driveway (laughs) with no gas in the tank, okay? Perhaps, (laughs) yes, three blocks, maybe you're right. Maybe he pulled in with an empty tank and maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I got. But I just can't imagine being in your car, seeing that yellow light come on and just being like, we're fine. Well, again, if it was three blocks then what happened was, they got in the car, it was on E, they went to go to the gas station and it stopped. Because if you go three blocks and your car dies on you, that means that there was nowhere for you to go. You were trying to go somewhere and you could. They're in walking distance of Chubby's. There's no gas station around. <laughs> Where are we? Like, this is Philadelphia. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this. And I'm sure you guys are right. But I just, I really like the first thing I look at when I get in my car is how much gas I have. And I just thought it was in my in my mind they're three blocks as they don't get out of their neighborhood yeah <laughs> you know but right. when Corey says we made it seven blocks that was Corey's ignorant way of not like deliberately not getting to the gas station Corey was petty as fuck in that last scene <laughs> he, he obviously ran or drove around in circles waiting for that gas to run. <laughs> that's so funny. 
All right. So do you guys have a bra moment of the week and or a Feeny lesson? I have a bra moment, which is simply Alan meeting Kelly that and was going, mine too. boy. <laughs> that was mine too. Yeah. That was so, oh, for sure. so cringy. It I, was uncomfortable. Ugh. Dad, stop perving out on my date. Ew. And this I don't is not like the it. first time that this has happened. This is repeat no, behavior it happens from so many Alan. Times. He needs to just, he needs to be, he needs to be put in a closet when people come visit. Like he just needs to be away from society and anyone under the age of like 30. <laughs> I had a little bra moment with, um, when Ryan says, can I have some ice cream? And Eric hands him some cash and says, go get it. Uh, and I, at that moment I was like, you're in like, what's effective a dive bar you know for, for that, that like a dry dive bar and you're sending a six-year-old to the counter to get some ice cream while you stay in the back like smoking room basically yeah right? for me everything about that i was like oh shit this is 1990 something isn't it uh, <laughs> it's so you know, funny this that is, this is past it's so I was funny that- saying, this is this is past the point where it's like okay go play outside till the street lamps come on and we'll see you whenever <laughs> we see you like we're past that yeah but we're not up to like oh let me make sure i'm always keeping my eyes on you or like somewhere between those it's so funny that eric's like oh i have a fancy restaurant we can take to- uh tommy ryan to right <laughs> it's the exact place i took you to yesterday <laughs> yesterday <laughs> i only know mm-hmm. one restaurant and it's chubby's <laughs> so yeah. my bra moment of this week was the entrance to um like the faux three-way situation that we found Eric in. Uh, mm-hmm. only because A, I have no problem with it, but I was just really surprised that she was like, Oh, she's the babysitter. Oh, so we're doing a little role play here. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so this kids show is all of a sudden teaching talking to us about threesomes and role play and kink and like safety yeah. words. It's like, it's really, I, I was surprised that we're going there, but okay. <laughs> Boy Meets World is thirsty. It just is. <laughs> I, I've never watched a show that is just more like sex centric than Boy Meets World. Well, we talk about it all the time. One, they mention constantly that Feeny fucks. Like they just want to make it very clear that Feeny <laughs> yeah. gets it in when he tries. And then also... <laughs> Uh, the idea of I always look at things pre-internet porn and when you watch things pre-internet porn it's crazy how many storylines center around like men being able to like look at a woman or touch a woman or kiss a woman and then Mm -hmm. afterwards it's just like yeah I mean like we we do more about getting dates and stuff than it is like this the the mere presence of a female breathing on the back of your neck Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay do you guys have a lesson of the episode um we call it our feeny lesson it does not have to come from feeny but it just basically says what do you think was the moral of this episode what i what i think the kind of big takeaway has a lot to do uh or what i'm choosing to take away has a lot to do with a thorough examination of options in front of you and i think that's like what's said to eric but not what anyone really means actually in the episode but i'm choosing to ignore the implications and to extract the information and so because in the episode they're like you have all these options but like really they're like you have one option go to college (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but i think the idea uh like taken out of context of like listen when you're 19 like you do have a shit ton of options in front of you right now 
and it is really important that you have some strong uh, presence in your life to demystify those options, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't think really happens in this episode, but I think that's kind of what they were trying to say. <laughs> I kind of took another route with it because um, she said something about like, this is my life, but it doesn't have to be yours, that kind of thing. So I kind of took it more as like, your anyone's life is filled with like a certain amount of experiences and Skylar and I have talked about that before, how we all go through individual experiences and stuff like that. And I don't think that we, we should not be in any rush to get through one and go to the other. Cause I feel like Eric is looking at this very black and white. Oh, I could go to college or I could go and settle into this family and then I'm done. And then I already did what I, he says something like I, I'd be doing that after college anyway. So it's like, he's skipping a step and he's skipping through his youth and already going I, into I, the part where he's a parent. And so I almost, we all have, I almost felt life, like the Feeny episode is to go to college or be a deadbeat. And I don't now. know if they intended you know, that to be, inside. but it really <laughs> feels everyone. like, and, and I mean, I'm kind of echoing what we've been saying through this episode that college is the only <laughs> viable option. And that's kind of my Feeny lesson. I mean, my true Feeny lesson is don't introduce your kid to a guy you've only dated three times, but I feel like the episode is trying to teach you that college is the only way that you can have true options in life, which is a little disappointing, especially considering this current state of, yes. you know, me <laughs> actually being friends with a lot of college graduates who can't find jobs. So it's, it, it's a very real part of our, our life that's maybe in 1997 they didn't really consider, but um, it's, it's interesting looking back on it and seeing that as the, at least what mm -hmm. I gathered to be the feeding lesson. I think I'm going to tie in everyone's uh, points and say that my feeding lesson is really exploring all the options at hand. Like I think that very much like as Megan pointed out and even as T pointed out, it's kind of like, not rushing into things, but go to college if that if that's something that you can do. Um, and I think that um, a, a very big part of this is it, exploring what it means to be young and at this point in time in your life. And think about all of the options you have and and don't rush into one too quickly. Okay, so uh, final two segments. Home, wait, before we do homework, grades, what grade would you guys give this episode? I give it a B. Say Love it. B, solid B. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, I'm going to be a little bit more harsh because I usually am, but I'm going to give it a B minus. I think He's it's great. He's but... always harsh on this episode. I'm critical. Someone has to be. Someone has to be. For, like what Megan said, like we get so few Eric stories that like the fact that this does really shape his character in a way that is profound, I feel like deserves at least to be, but I'll respect these. The only reason why I'm pushing back is because we already talked about, there were so many elements when we were watching this where everyone's like, it's off and I can't quite pin or communicate how, but it's, it's off. And I just thought that was a really important part. And then of course, someone mentioned it earlier, Sean's whole headaches scenes were like, we could have been doing something else with this. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's that's literally why I got the minus. But overall, I think it's a really good episode. Totally. Mm -hmm. totally. Yeah. All right. And finally, do you guys have any homework for our listeners? This is pretty much the part where you tell them anything that you like to plug. Of course, we're going to put your podcast and they can follow the journey with you guys. Um, but is there anything else you want to promote? Right now I'm reading um, James Lowen's book, uh, Lies My Teacher Told Me. 
uh, and it was first published in 1995, second edition in like 2005, third edition in 2018. Uh, highly recommend it. It basically is a comprehensive examination of 18 or no, 12 um, popular American history textbooks used across the country. And he has read all of them and is doing like a crazy in-depth analysis. It's kind of dense if you're not into reading historical nonfiction. Uh, but I mean, he's a good writer and it's, and it's just a really excellent, like it's equal parts about the, the history in itself, but also about like, the education and textbook industry and how it influences itself in that way. Totally. Skylar, I didn't uh, need to get your information because you are totally the type of guy. Like every <laughs> cause I'm always giving book recommendations and this is totally up my alley. So um, sorry. It's a very good book. I'm really enjoying it right now. I highly recommend it. That's lies. My teacher told me by James Lowen. The only thing that I, I just finished reading a book that I read in middle school called The Island of Blue Dolphins, and it was surprisingly refreshing. It was just so fun. It's about this young um, uh, this young girl who gets stuck on the island off of the coast of Santa Barbara. That's uh, she gets stuck there by herself, and she makes friends with like this wolf and these birds, and it's just it's so beautiful and just so simple. It's like only 200 pages. You can fly through it. It's great. Um, other than that, I've been watching Schitt's Creek, and that's also great. Amazing. <laughs> so, we love it. Sometimes you yeah. just need lightness, you know? It's like, I don't need, like, mm-hmm. the sure. world is chaotic. Just give me fluff. Correct. <laughs> Correct. That's where I'm at right now in my quarantine routine. I'm like, I just want to relax and watch something that's kind of brainless for a little while. So that's where I am. Mm. I will jump in with my homework, the opposite of Megan's. I saw the movie Detroit for the first time recently. I don't know if you guys saw that with John Boyega. Um, It is a look at the Detroit police riots that happened in the 1960s, 70s. It is probably the most visceral depiction of police brutality I've seen in cinema in quite some time. Like, it was hard to watch. It was a hard-to-watch movie, but it's an important movie. And so, considering everything that's going on in Portland and all these other places, if you guys are interested in seeing a dramatic telling of this, um, Detroit, I think it may be on Hulu or Amazon, but it stars John Boyega, and it is a a fantastically made movie. Thank you for... Uh, recommending that I usually get my movie recommendations from you because you like you'll watch them and let me know if it's worth my time um speaking of worth your time Beyonce's Black is King just came out it was amazing I haven't seen it yet I'm so excited so beautiful Mm -hmm. it's like it's just amazing like the fact that she directed this and her eye and the creativity and the people that she works with um it's just Better than Lemonade? That's important. It's different than Lemonade. And it's definitely a Disney production. Like, I honestly feel like they could have just released this instead of the remake of The Lion King and people would have been just as happy. Like, like, because it tells the same, it tells the same story, but like with people and it just uses kind of clips from The Lion King to let you know the pace of where you're at. But Equally colorful, equally important, equally impactful, and just the things that she says with her music and visuals, uh, I just feel like you'll walk away with 
all the things that we just talked about, the lightness, the education, and uh, the importance of the moment. So, yeah. I found the live action Lion King to be creepy. So I am very excited to see this. <laughs> I kind of refused to see it on principle. <laughs> I was, you know, every, every, like, it's one of my favorite films of all time and uh, the original Lion King. And I was like, I don't need to see this. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> no, you're, I, you're good. We're going to make like a, a real Lion King that I wish you would have taken the like Broadway route and just like used real human. Yes. Interesting costume. It's a skip. And done some high cock. Absolutely. Uh, would have been way more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I mean, I think thank really you guys. We're we so this excited. It was so much you. fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was amazing. Really thank you guys for having us. I really loved other, it. Yeah, we just love connecting with other Boy Meets World people because now that we're not in the 90s anymore, it's like we're trying to like find people who <laughs> love it as much as we do and relate to it as much as we do. So, yeah. I will say the, I'm actually surprised on, I don't know about you, but on our social media, there's like a huge uh, following of younger individuals. Like they are like, yes. like I'll ask them like, oh, how old are you? They're like, I'm 15. I was like, oh, I got to end this conversation. But <laughs> thank you for <laughs> listening, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, we, we get a lot of kind of younger listeners um, as well as uh, people who got introduced via Girl Meets World, which is mind blowing to me, but a lot of people, that's how they got introduced is it was on Disney Channel. They were right around that age group and like, you know, middle school, elementary school, right around that time. And then from there, we're like, oh, well, Boy Meets World's on Disney Plus. Let me give it a shot. And so then they, so interesting. I, I don't know about you guys. I was never able to get into Girl Meets World. We talk about this all the time about us transitioning into Girl Meets World after we finished the seven seasons. But I really like, I tried the first season and I really struggled with it. And it's because I just, I had such this firm idea of where these characters were going to go. And seeing Girl Meets World was such a disappointment to me. But I understand that maybe I just need to get through the first season. I know it gets better. Siege has confirmed to me it gets better, but I still struggle with it. It does. It does. There's a couple. Yeah. Of, there's a couple of gems in there, but generally speaking, it is clearly a producer product. Yes. Yeah, they definitely understood how to recreate the Coruscant dynamic with Riley and Maya, um, and you you start to see the hints of we were going to the places that Boy Meets World wanted to go, but also it was a Disney product, and they would only let it get so far. Is so. it strange yeah. that I connected more to Maya than Riley upon my time watching it? No, I don't think, I think because very much like we talk a lot about Sean lately, I feel like there is something about a more dynamic character who is struggling to find their place than it is someone who like has everything and they just got to figure out how to not be so vanilla, you know? <laughs> okay, um, we have to wrap this up. But again, thank you guys so much for listening to Parameter's World. Remember, you can find us on all the places. Make sure to give us a rating. If you want to give us feedback on what you think that Amy, sorry, what Eric should have done, do you let your children just run off with strangers? I don't know. Hit us up. <laughs> uh, but you can find me on Twitter at I am not your Oreo. And you can find us in general at Brummeets World or email us at brummeetsworld at gmail.com. TC. You can find me on Instagram at me. And I, again, I want to thank our guests for having us. You guys have been so great. And I want to let you plug with your uh, podcast because it's such a great podcast. And I want all of our listeners to enjoy it as well. Sure. We're on Instagram as the at the Feeny Call podcast. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Feeny Call. 
Um, you can find us on any anywhere you listen to podcasts, same place that you're listening to this, you can find uh, The Feeny Call. And uh, my personal Instagram is MeganB47, that's Megan with an H. And then uh, go for it, Skylar. Oh yeah, no, my personal social media is, is boring, so don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't use Twitter. My Instagram gets like a picture of my dog every now and again. So it's, it, keep your dogs are popular. <laughs> Check out, add the Phoenix call to it. Don't add me. <laughs> We've had a lot of guests who've been like, how do our listeners find you? And they were like, don't. <laughs> like, like, we don't want them to find us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, go check out the Phoenix Call podcast and all the Phoenix Call social media. My personal social media is not interesting. So. <laughs> all right, so thank you guys. Remember to dream, try, and do good. Later, bros. Later, bros. Later, bros.